welcome to another edition of Perspectives from Rothschild Co. My name is Laura Kühnlin, and for today's edition, I'm once again joined by our global investment strategists, Kevin Gardiner and Victor Balfour. Hello, Kevin and Victor. Hi, Laura. How are you doing? Hopefully you had a good summer break. I did indeed. Thanks for asking. Well, it seems that I took a break, but capital markets didn't and remained as dynamic as ever. I couldn't help but wonder, Kevin, throughout your career, have there been moments when you found yourself thinking, the markets have been remarkably tranquil lately, I could use a bit more excitement? Well, it has been a long career, but I don't think I can remember ever feeling quite like that, funnily enough. And as the American economist Paul Samuelson once said, investing should be more like watching paint dry or watching grass grow. If you want true excitement, take 800 US dollars and go to Las Vegas. We can dream, eh? <laughs> we always can. Anyways, let's recap what has happened while I was away. And uh, let's start with the latest decisions by the central banks. What have they decided? And what is our perspective on these decisions, Victor? I think um, I think it's fair to say that we're kind of approaching the end of this of this tightening cycle, particularly across the kind of major developed economies. Last month, we saw the, the European Central Bank hike policy rates, 10th consecutive time, possibly their last, about 4%. Elsewhere, we saw this sort of hawkish pause from, from the US Federal Reserve um, and the Bank of England, and also actually the Swiss National Bank. Many of these banks have kind of shifted into this, this new mantra of kind of data dependency, you know, rather than just pressing ahead with unconditional hiking, they're going to think about what the data is, is telling them. But I think if we, you know, set aside Switzerland, which of course hasn't had any meaningful inflation, the narrative that's really emerged in recent months is not so much about how high these interest rates are going to go, but it's really how long they're going to remain at these levels. Um, you know, the economic data has generally been pretty upbeat over the summer. You know, overall economies are proving to be far more resilient than I think many had expected um, at this stage of, of the kind of tightening cycle. Um, and I think for policymakers, the concern is is not so much about the economy falling into recession, but it's more about inflation, you know, not returning to target in a sort of timely manner. Um, and so as it stands, sort of money markets are kind of getting on board with this view. You know, they don't necessarily think any further hikes lie ahead in, in the US, Euro, or UK, but expectations of rate cuts, the sort of easing cycle, if you like, um, is being pushed out into late 2024. You know, that higher for longer narrative is sort of becoming the consensus view, if you like, at the moment. Kevin, how have the markets absorbed the various decisions, or more specifically, how do bonds now compare to stocks? Of course, bonds have really taken the uh, more plateau-like profile for interest rates that Victor was talking about, the higher for longer. They've really taken that that outlook to heart. And so bond yields have risen quite markedly. Bonds have had a difficult couple of months. So prices have fallen sharply. Yields have risen quite noticeably. And for once, with policy rates themselves not moving that much, but um, further out interest rates rising, we've actually seen the yield curve, as we call it, the gap between long-term rates and short-term rates, which which was very negative with short rates being above long rates, we've seen the yield curve take on a little bit more of its normal normal pattern. So long rates have risen, risen back up towards short rates. So it's been difficult for bonds, but it's not been a good couple of months for stocks either because bond yields have risen far enough now for them to actually start to matter more to stock markets. For most of the last 10 years, bonds have been hugely expensive. Stocks have been pretty unremarkable. Stocks are still pretty unremarkably valued, but bonds are no longer expensive. They're starting to offer decent value as well. And that's starting to affect the equity market also. 
also because whether you invest in stocks or bonds, you know, the two markets, if they're fairly valued, they can often move, move together. So stocks have also had a difficult couple of months. And moving ahead, the key now is going to be the extent to which economies remain as resilient as Victor has just described, what that means for corporate profitability and whether that will allow equities to regain their poise before the bond market does. Let's talk about commodities and currencies for a bit. So, Victor, oil prices recently hit a 10-month high. What lay behind this price escalation? So, we've seen really the, the big revival in oil prices really through the summer. You know, Brent is up about a third or so since late June. Um, you know, currently hovering around $90 a barrel, as you say, it's a sort of 10-month high. And it explains probably why the energy sector, certainly over the last couple of months, is, is the only one in positive territory across equity markets. Everything else is sort of down at the moment. Um, but as far as we we see it, you know, this is perhaps more about supply than it is about you know really strong demand pushing those prices higher. You know, OPEC has, has sort of extended its its output cuts um, into into this month. Uh, Russia's also squeezed the kind of refined fuels market, and you know separately to the sort of oil price story, we have you know industrial action Australia, which is you know squeezing the kind of uh, liquefied natural gas market. You know the impact of this is obvious. It's going to place some upward pressure on consumer prices in the near term. You've already seen that through the kind of July and August CPI prints, um, and I think it's you know probably a good reminder that commodities and particularly oil, you know, volatile most of the time. You know, and headline inflation will probably be quite lumpy ahead because of that. Um, but it's also important to know that, you know, we haven't seen the sort of same price movements elsewhere. You know, wheat is still moving lower. It's now in line with pre-pandemic levels. Uh, copper, the kind of industrial metals complex, they've also retreated uh, this year. So this isn't a broad revival in kind of commodity prices. Currencies have also been moving around quite a bit. What's happening here? I think, you know, this is entirely really a dollar story. You know, the kind of dollar spot index, if you like, which is the dollar against a basket of, of different currencies, up about 7% um, since mid-July. Um, and most of the kind of major currencies, whether it's the euro or sterling, they are down um, against the dollar this year. Um, to us, what seems to be driving this is a combination of really two things. Um, it's the relative growth story. So you know, US pulling ahead you know, economically, if you like, and that relative carry story, the interest rate story. Now, it's not so much about interest rates moving a lot higher from here. It's more about you know, the kind of shape of the kind of curve, discounting that plateau profile that you know we were mentioning earlier. You know, certainly for US interest rates, that that's sort of much more visible now. Um, as it stands, it doesn't really change our currency preferences. We I think we still think the dollar looks expensive on a kind of long-term view, even more so today. Um, but I think currency for conviction, particularly when it comes to FX, is always um, pretty low. So before we wrap up, What is going to happen next, Kevin? Well, of course, I wish I knew exactly. But um, what's going to be very important through the through the autumn is going to be the way that the, that the economic data move. That resilience that Victor's described in the activity data, is that going to continue? Are we going to have the fabled soft landing for the global economy, even though interest rates have risen? Or are we going to see growth finally crack and a more significant economic setback emerge? We're cautiously optimistic, as we have been throughout this, that we're not going to see a significant economic downturn. And if that's the case, then corporate profitability will stay reasonably high. And if corporate profitability is okay, equity valuations don't look hugely expensive. We can live with today's level of bond deals. And we think that might be a recipe for resumed performance from the global stock markets. But of course, short-term volatility can be quite significant. 
bonds might yet overshoot their fair value a little bit further in the short term, and we could see market noise continue for a while yet. But as I say, our central view and our positioning in mosaic portfolios is favoring the equity market over fixed income, where we still are no more than neutral on bonds generally. Many thanks for this update to the both of you. And let's see what the next four weeks bring or whether we have to do the next recording in Las Vegas then. Bye for now. If you want to find out more about the topics discussed in this episode, please go on www.rothschildandco.com forward slash insights. Thank you for listening. Please note, this audio content is produced by Rothschild & Co. for information purposes only, and any reliance on the information provided in it is done at your own risk. This content should only be used or reproduced with the express written permission of Rothschild & Co. The podcast is not provided as a solicitation, recommendation, or invitation to buy or sell any security, fund, or any other banking or investment product. Nothing in this podcast constitutes advice of any sort, and no responsibility is accepted in relation to the fairness or accuracy of it. The value of investments, and the income from them, can go down as well as up, and you may not recover the amount of your original investment. Past performance should not be taken as a guide to future performance.